Hello everyone, welcome back to another, I'm sorry. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Tondel Tito Podcast. In today's episode, we have a very special guest on. Her name is Lean Ahmed. Lean, take it away. Hello everyone. Yeah, my name is Lean. Uh, and yeah, I'm a Moldavian and I'm a psychology student uh, doing my uh, psychology major with a minor in journalism. And this is my second year. Yeah, I'll be starting my last year pretty soon and I'm very into yeah no I, I'm your typical psycho um psychology student who's into psychoanalyzing people yeah <laughs> okay psychoanalyzing people I just guess that'll get interesting as we go along but Lin I must ask what is psychology to you because from a lot of people who we've spoken to a lot of people tend to see psychology as like the study of mental health or just dealing with mental illnesses but I think, I suspect that psychology might pertain to more than that. Yeah, definitely, Rish. Like, it's, I think it's an incredibly common misconception, actually, to see psychology at just face value, you know? Because you genuinely assume that, hey, like, the word you see, the word psychology just associated with getting mental health, help services, or maybe pertaining to illnesses, when in reality, psychology, I would say, in my opinion, is truly a way of life. It's... Um, it's a way through which we, through which you can view multiple problems in the world, not just people, but I think a lot of social issues integrated into a system can be viewed through a psychological lens and can be found solutions for, in my opinion. So psychology is something that you can use in an, like, in an application-based way in almost anything. So whether you're coming from the perspective of education, you're coming from the perspective of just general social issues, you can apply psychology there. And that's why I think the misconception of psychology just being associated with mental health help or like illnesses is something that's part of like the stigmatized part of our society, you know? Psychology is just associated with you um, getting help or you feeling weak when generally it can be applied to anything and make things so much better yeah that's my answer okay i have a... okay sure, sure, uh, go ahead go ahead okay yeah sure so in that sense right don't you think that there's a harm of applying uh, your knowledge of psychology into your daily life like of course there are its benefits like you get to uh, handle the situation more better but like don't you think that you overthink sometimes like you perhaps. overanalyze the situation perhaps I think um there's a word for that actually it's called um uh it's called self-diagnosing I think um mm-hmm. when you um allow psychology to I guess um obscure the things to the point where you feel like everything you do can be psychoanalyzed in a bad angle but at the same time I think the um pros of knowing and understanding what psychology means is becoming emotionally intelligent and we need more of that I think we value being just rationally intelligent on a very high level and we degrade emotional intelligence a lot but how human beings function and connect with other people and have lived in society since like the very beginning of time is based on our emotional intelligence. And so many things in, I guess, in the current world can determine a lack of emotional intelligence because of 
our tendency to put people away and replace them with like something at digital face value maybe. So I would say that even though there is the harm of you reading or overanalyzing some, something to that to a point where it's harmful to you is something that's a very small risk in comparison to you being emotionally intelligent and you being able to connect with people and understand your own psyche better so you can know when to get help and you can know when to offer help too. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. That, that would be my answer for it, yeah. I guess it's interesting when you say like to know your own psyche, like what would you say are like the first steps, like someone, let's say someone who doesn't have any like background in psychology or hasn't like heard about it. Like what would you say are like the steps you can take to like figure out whether something is wrong? Mm. So I guess like your answer, I mean, your question is coming from the sense of like uh, your own self, right? I mean, about your own psyche. How do you figure out if something is wrong with you or how do you figure mm-hmm. out if you need help? Is that the question? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. I think, I think it's a really common problem. Um, and generally, like, I understand the reason why it's coming from too, because, because we've never had conversations about, you know, like, hey, what's the reason why I'm feeling down or what's the reason why I've not been able to do things the way I used to before? We've never been taught to ask ourselves that rather, like, our society is built on the idea of you pushing yourself even at the expense of like your, your own like mental health and which is something that you need to survive basically, right? So I would say that uh, if you are someone who wants to know like, hey, um, maybe there's something wrong with me or maybe like I do need help, I would suggest to you to sit down with someone you trust or um, if, if a, if you have the opportunity to sit down with someone you trust and truly talk about the feeling that you're having and seeing if they reiterate the same things or if you feel like they also express worry towards you, you it might be helpful for you to truly question yourself and have an outlet for it. And this outlet can look like you actually going to um, therapy and talking to someone. And this doesn't have to happen just because you have a huge problem, you know? People stigmatize therapy to the point that you only need to go for it if you have a gigantic problem or if you have a mental health disorder that you can't overcome it. But therapy can be for anyone. It really is just talking about your life and what you're going through with a person who might be able to understand the pinpoints of it better and actually allow you to become better. So the first option would be for you to discuss with someone that you trust and then then go towards therapy if you feel like the problem is persisting. And then for you to understand whether you need help like or not, is you maybe journaling your feelings down. I think uh, this is very typically used in like self-care routines, but the power of seeing how you feel and how you think on paper or like as a form of art can be very helpful for you to actually understand what you're going through. If you feel like you truly have some issues that you need to discuss with a professional, it's very likely going to come out if you try to express yourself to that person you trust or when you journal it. So these these are just a few ways of you understanding whether you have a problem or not, because I think at the very root of it, uh, how you know that you have a problem is truly based on what you think your daily life looks like. If you feel like, you know, 
uh, you've been doing okay all this time and all of a sudden there's something really wrong or there's um, you feel like that is an unbearable amount of weight on your shoulders and this can come in the form of multiple ways I think this can be like you you feeling more tired than usual you feeling um, you feeling more heavy or feeling more irritable than usual these are some of the common symptoms you see like in a day-to-day life anxiety problem maybe. And if this comes out out of nowhere and you feel like there is no physical attributions to it, or this even could be triggered by like, you know, something major happening in your life and you feel like it's wrong and your gut tells you it's wrong, then I would suggest that most probably, there is probably something wrong and there is no harm going and getting help from a therapist or um, a psychotherapist. Uh, There is truly nothing wrong about consulting a counselor because I think the only way that we can actually normalize getting help yourself would be to like truly take that step forward and break the barrier of like, hey, picking up the phone and making a call for an appointment because it's not something that's shameful, you know? It's not something that's bad. It's just something that's necessary. Yeah, that would be my answer. Yeah, <laughs> that was very long. I hope that was all right very, now. very comprehensive. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I guess it's still see- like it's it's uh-huh. more, so like from what I gather, like just to like roughly sum it up, you still have to like try to logically attribute all these symptoms, and if you really can't determine where they're coming from, it's probably time to seek help. Correct. I would say that it would be actually hard for you to understand where it's coming from. But if you feel like, you know, there is something wrong, if it, if you feel like there is something wrong without any other attributions to it, yes, I think my answer would be that's the time for you to go seek help. Right. Okay. Yeah. That is that is very helpful. You're most welcome, yeah. No worries at all. Are there any more questions you have regarding, like, what, like, the stigmatization of mental health and what it does to the psychology. I mean, the study of psychology looks like maybe. Sorry. Um, not for me. Not for, not for me. Mingzhe, uh, uh, do you have one? Yeah, I can ask you, Lin. How long have you been in this psychology major? Oh, um, it's actually been only two years, but I did work in a mental health center back home in the Maldives. Uh, uh, we only have um, just one like very main facility in the main like um state hospital that caters towards mental health it was very recently established so I worked there for an year and I think like being there helped me gain a lot of perspectives on you know how truly a stigmatized mental health is and b how hard it is for a person to actually get help because there's so many steps to it you know like and it's literally so crazy and to my understanding, it's really hard in Malaysia too. All right, my question is this. In your two years experience, right, have you ever had two moments when you psychoanalyze people where one moment, most of what you guess about this specific person is all correct and the other where you guess this other person's psychoanalogy and, it all, and it's all wrong? Oh, definitely. Definitely. That's a really good question, Mixer. Um, I think um I think <laughs> the one thing that a lot of people think about psychology majors is hey, you can read my mind now, right? This is something I get so much. Like the moment I tell like someone if that it's I'm so crazy. <laughs> it's so true people, though. People who are listening to this, yeah, please don't do that. 
Pity Lean and all of the <laughs> other psychology majors. God sake, yeah. people. Please, okay, I beg of you, do not ask me whether I can read your mind. Like, <laughs> um, but I think like Rita's question is uh, basically whether um I have psychoanalyzed person and whether I'm right a or whether I have been like totally wrong, right? So I remember this one inst one instance when I went to driving school. I think um was it last year? God, time really goes by weirdly when you're in MC or dear God. Um, I think it was. I think it was earlier this year, actually. Yeah. Anyway, the time doesn't matter. Um, and I had met this um girl who was um yeah what who I had made friends with like there and basically we were talking about MBTI. Have you guys heard of MBTI? Anyone? Is it the uh, what the Myers Briggs personality Correct. test yes, thing? Yes, 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 yes. You know, ENFJ, yeah, INFP. Thing, actually. I need to it is a thing. I had a. I had I had a friend get me into it and like I forgot what my type is honestly like all these uh, personality tests overwhelm me to be honest. <laughs> like, I think we do it. Doesn't even matter. Like, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, let me guess. Let me actually else, guess. So... <laughs> I can only guess the rich friends. I think. Um, Wait, I was just trying... what guess. Yeah, can I guess? Um, I think I can guess. Oh, all okay. Rich yeah. Try it. <laughs> <laughs> try it. Rishun knows, you know, right? You know, right? Rishun. Yeah, I know um, Richmond. Like, I think oh, I do. No, I think I do. Richmond, whether you know, okay, go ahead, Richmond. Do you know your MBTI? Um. Yeah. Wait, yeah let let me try and I vaguely remember. Yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> uh, I think you're an I. Um. Many <laughs> okay. Um. And I. No, no, I'm not an I. But okay, carry on. <laughs> oh my God! You're not an I. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised. Oh Never mind, guess the whole thing and we'll oh see. Oh my god. Somewhere. Okay, I know you're an FJ. I know you're an FJ for sure. Uh, okay, that is correct. Yeah. That is correct. You have to be. So I'm like, I was considering, I, I, it's either, I'm not sure if you're an S or an N, but I feel like you do do things like intuitively. So I would say you're an N. Yep, I am an ENFJ. Wow, we have the same type, Rishwan. Like, I'm an ENFJ too. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> You're so left out right now. Okay. Wait, oh wait, talk me through that process. That's really interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, um, just to give you a highlight, I, I think I've noticed a lot of um ENFJs be in um leadership role-ish positions. So actually our entire debate exco are all ENFJs except for Bola Day, I think. Uh, and Marcus. I'm not sure about Marcus. Uh, but Myra, Erica, like me and now you we're all ENFJ so the process is that um the MBTI is based on four classes basically you have um the first one being whether you are an introvert or an extrovert and uh the second one uh checking whether you do things more in intuitively or if you do things more like based on rational analysis and like sensibly thinking so that part is called like you know the sense uh no the sense i'm actually sure if it's the sense or the senses i have to double check actually but anyways it's s <laughs> let me just double check y'all just to make sure that i have it right okay, um, okay. yeah uh i think that the Give me one second. Yeah. Yeah. So basically that's the sensor. Sorry, not the sense. Yeah. So these are like more realistic people. And then you have the third type, which is um the feeling and thinking. So you you either make decisions based on how you feel or how you think. 
Um, and then the final part, judging and perceiving. People who are judging are people who are more likely to do things on deadlines, are more like um, adjusted to to-do lists and are, are more constrictive. And people who are perceiving tend to be more laid back and like to do spontaneous things. So the MBTI basically assumes that you are either one of the two options in these four um, classes. So for Ishwin, um, it seems that he prefers, I mean, he opts to be an extrovert more and he likes to um, make decisions based on uh, his feeling and on his intuition. And he is more of a judging type in a good sense where he uh, likes to plan things and likes to do things on time and likes to be more analytical. Yeah. That's it. So, um, Rish, how do you it's feel? It's amazing how much you can like read into a person just from a personality test. No, but I'm surprised like you got really, really close. Yeah, no, the only reason why I didn't say E was because like, I feel like we haven't really interacted, you know, in an environment where I would have seen your E come out. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's true, yeah. but it's interesting. I kind of expected you to say that because like from a lot of people who talk to me, a lot of people tend to think I'm an introvert. I don't know. I don't know why even I don't consider myself that big of an extrovert, but I guess like maybe around people I'm comfortable with or if I feel mm-hmm. there's a need, then maybe I can be a bit extroverted. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I, I truly, uh, guys, I, as a disclaimer, I don't believe in the MBTI test. So Rich, if mm-hmm. like lots of people have thank guessed God you. God, you said that. Yeah, yeah thank mean, goodness. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, because this is... Hey. Pe- Go ahead, Krisho. Yeah, what were you saying? Okay, no, I, I I just wanted to say that I hate the one thing that I hate about psychology is how textbook it is. Because yeah, a human no. being is such a deep character, you cannot categorize someone into yeah, the different so general, generalizations of their personality from all of these tests and studies, you know, which is something mm-hmm. that I have never ever believed in. Oh, and but I then don't exactly. Know. But then like certain tests, they Oh, like I've done the personality the MBTI testing and like mm-hmm. it explained for me every single part and everything yeah, is very like, the accurate, first three right? was pretty like like how do I say this they were exact but then the last one yeah but then the last one between the P and the J they specifically said like it's a bit unsure like you could be either you might not fit into the P and J axis like it could mm-hmm. be either you know yeah yeah because um i think in mbti there so is... i think like i get it when people say like you know it might it's not gonna be for everyone yeah 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 definitely like there's also like along with the the types there is something called like um i think being turbulent and being i think there's an a like you can be like for example for Rishwan, he can be an e and fj dash p or an a so that's like based on the fact that you're a changing personality. That means you're more likely to switch to other personalities in times of turbulent. Or if you're an A, like means you're more set into the, into the personality. Mm, so I, so I you, see. yeah, for I Hanan, mean, personally, maybe, I would probably lean towards oh, but can team, I have, but then can again, I something? I can't know. Um, oh, sure. Hanan, go ahead. Wait, what? I what? No, Hanan, yeah, go ahead. Hold on. Oh, no, I just wanted to ask, like, the, the test that you guys did, is it the 16 personalities thing or a different one? I think it's the 16 personalities, right? Yeah, I, let me yeah. just Google it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's I the one I... Because I, I heard that, like, the 16 the personalities thing is not, like, very accurate. Mm, it's actually... Yeah. No, I totally but agree. I did a different one. 
Because yeah. even I don't really know if I'm like an E or an I. I did a different one. The one I sent, okay. so, uh, I sent to our It's chat. interesting like that's uh, the one, Lean, that you're not sure of. Yeah, no, yeah. That's a that's a thing though. Yeah, Maybe Hanan, yeah. I actually I did, did mine. Yeah, yeah. And what result did you get? Was it accurate as the old one? I did like both of them. And okay. it was really weird because I the 16 personalities and a different one. And I heard that like people said that your results could change a lot, like because the tests are really different. But then my my results were the same for both tests. So I don't know. But the second test is Saki Norva and it's quite like in depth. Like the questions are really, really specific and it's like quite a long test. Okay, yeah. I mean so, I haven't yeah. heard of the like, that's was really like in depth. Yeah, no, um, I think the second one that you mentioned, um, I've heard of, but I haven't done it myself. But I think there are different variations of the MBTI. You know, there are so many different versions of the MBTI. But uh and yeah, Helen, you're right. They offer really um they offer really complex understandings into what you feel might be very, very accurate because uh there's a there's a psyche behind how they do this as well, actually. Uh because I think, okay, just as like um, a beginner for this, I, I do think there are benefits that come out of the MBTI, although I don't believe in it. I think it helps people understand themselves like a lot. For example, Hannah, you mentioned how detailed like the uh, the results you looked, it, you looked into was, right? And how it was like super accurate. Yeah. So, well, basically like even when you do the 16 personalities one, the results you get are like based on each area of your life. Like for example, in romantic relationships or like in your place of work or in the, yeah, like most of the MBTI tests are like predetermined to be like very, very, um, how do I say this? It's supposed to be very um, uh, complex in how they try to associate you with certain traits. So meaning that they're going to look into things like, you know, like you've probably seen this, Hanan, like the romantic relationships and the workplace and um, even leadership leadership role positions. And they, they look at how you are best fit into these criteria. So it seems like super on point. But what they, in my opinion at least, um, and how this this might be the reason why you feel like you didn't ag agree with like one of your um, types they associate with you, right? Yeah, so the reason why you might have found this to be wrong or not accurate is probably because you are a very complex human being and they can't specifically uh, subject you or say that like, hey, Hanan, you're just this one type for the rest of your life and this is how you're going to determine yourself. Uh, and this idea is something that's, uh, while it can be accurate and helpful for you to really like, you know, uh, understand yourself, I think also can have some negative connotations behind it. What do you think, Hanan? Like, has this really helped you, like, in understanding yourself better? Which I think is a good thing that comes out of MBTI. I think, personally, it does. I think that also reflects myself because I'm, you know, you know those people who, who do all these tests yeah 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 you, you're stuff, a just girl just to like <laughs> how do i say this just like no not oh no not, not buzzfeed it's just like <laughs> which cake are you specifically these kind of things and be the most part it's like because i have no idea of what the fuck i am so it's oh like i need that to be become yeah, a personality yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. Half joking. No, I'm I half joking. It. But I think I, love I think it makes more sense than zodiacs and stuff. Personally. Yes. But mm -hmm. I yeah, so, I, I think yeah. I, 
And that's why I like it because it's more of a. No, no, no. Continue, continue. <laughs> so sorry, I kept interrupting you. I couldn't like. I didn't know my sentence was ending. It was all over the place. <laughs> all right. Um. Uh, yeah. That's my problem. No, I don't know how to talk to people. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, you do. It's it's just your connection is a little bit wonky right now, but that's all good. Um. Uh. Oh yeah, you were saying about how uh you don't want to believe in the zodiacs, right? And that is honestly one of the points that I have like in regards to how. I guess like MBTIs can be a little bit like the the like you know um, judging your horoscopes, but while they can be like that, I really understand where you're coming from on how it's helped you to understand yourself better, and that's one of the cool things about MBTI. Like it can give a person like better ways to define themselves and see the beauty in the things that they think are you know not that cool or like that they're insecure about, and that's a good thing. That's a really good thing, and. Uh, I hope that while people do understand the benefits of the MBTI, I hope they do also try to look at it in the perspective of, you know, like you don't need to fit into these categories to still be uh, a super cool and great human being, you know, like uh, the truth is when you do see like um, your, like, I guess your MBTI type, you have a tendency of also trying to conform to that type, which can be negative. So as long as you keep that in mind while exploring all the different parts of you, I think that's very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think- Okay. Sorry, uh, yeah, continue. I think it, because some people like it really, really far, you know, well, like when it comes to like Zodiacs or like MBTI or whatever it is, they like really, really push it. And I don't think that's like great, a great thing to do. But I, to an extent, it's pretty cool, I think, at least. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. I think it's all right if it's to an extent. Correct, correct. As long as you take it within the voice of reason, it's all very cool. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. All right. Do we have any questions? Yes, actually. So before Lean came on, uh, we posted on our Instagram, Pandatino on Instagram, by the way, drop us a follow. So we posted on our Instagram uh, viewers' questions, like what we did on one of our past episodes. So Lean, you actually have quite a lot of questions from our viewers, I think five of them. So I'll read you the first question. Uh, When someone vents to you, is it wrong to give advice? Okay. You know, this is, I feel like, oh God, yeah, there's so many ways that I can answer this question genuinely. It's very vague. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. I think people often like don't even know how to express this feeling to someone because it's so hard to know when to give advice and when to just listen, right? (laughs) I totally Mm, get where the feeling is coming from. (laughs) Yes. Thank you, Kishore. Um, Yeah, like how uh, when someone talks to you or vents to you, it's really difficult to know like when to offer advice sometimes or when to like um, really um, uh, listen to them. I think what I do in those circumstances where I feel like I don't know what the right response to give is, is ask the person what they need from me. Um, Ask them, do you need to be distracted? Do you need to be, do you want me to listen to you? Do you want me to see, offer you advice? And often, most of the times, they just need you to listen to them. I think when a person is venting to you and it feels like, you know, they are unloading information, it's very likely mm-hmm. they just need you to be a sounding wall. Yeah, right. that, that would be my yeah. advice. 
Right. So one of the other questions we got was how accurate is self-diagnosing? Hmm. Okay. <laughs> right. I think, Very vague um, as you get. Uh, that's all right. That's all right. I think when people like often have questions about this, it's it's a broad area. So I understand where the vagueness is coming from. Uh, self-diagnosis is, I think, um, a result of us um, while trying to destigmatize mental health, we have to push information out about what mental health disorders look like. And everything can be taken on either side, right? It can be taken to either extremes. So I think self-diagnosis, it comes from a place of you generally trying to understand yourself, but um, might be like super super wrong in the sense that you might not be coming to a good conclusion through it. Richmond, could you repeat like the end of the question one more time? It seems like I've gotten, I've forgotten the first part while ranting about it. It's it's just, it's really simple. It's just how accurate is self-diagnosing? How accurate, right? Sorry, my bad. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, I would not say it's accurate uh, because uh, while you might think that there's something wrong with you or there's something that you feel like you are burdened with or you're suffering from, it's uh, not helpful for you to associate a disorder or a mental health illness with you because you're not a very simply a professional. And B, you're most likely basing this off of things you've seen on the internet. And let me tell you, the internet, as we all know, is like, God, it's a hive of like a lot of fake news, a lot of misinformation. So it is. Yeah. <laughs> Newsflash, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. Hmm. Like, so you generally just might be basing this off of an Instagram post you saw somewhere and it might not be coming from it from the right source. So when you're self-diagnosing, it's not accurate. It's probably 99.9% of the time it's not accurate. You, if you feel like there's something wrong with you, go to a professional. Um, and I'm telling you, professionals also won't be able to diagnose you on the first go. It's going to require multiple sessions. It's going to require probing. It's going to require you sharing and letting your guard down and exploring a lot of yourself. So it's not something as simple as like you typing in your symptoms onto Google and Google tells you that you have, oh, you have borderline personality disorder. No, um, no, it doesn't work like that. I'm really sorry, but you are a very complex person. You're a complex and really cool human being. And what you might be going through might not be a disorder, but you were just going through a hard time. So don't do it. The moment you feel like you tell yourself that you have a disorder, it's very likely that you might conform to having disorder to the point that you express symptoms that make you feel like, you know, hey, I'm acting like this because I have the disorder, you know. It allows you to justify some wrong behavior as well. So I would say the smartest thing would be to just not self-diagnose. If you feel like it's coming on, just tell yourself that, hey, you know, I'm not a professional. I'm not equipped for this, so I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is a very, like, good way to approach it. So I guess the moral of what you're the, the gist of what you're saying is, just if you can go seek help, go talk to a professional, right? Yeah. Okay, uh, here's another question. Can you cure depression just by practicing a healthy lifestyle and positive mindset? Hmm. I think it's a really interesting question. Uh this is I think um 
a common misconception that we have that uh, you know depression can be cured by having a healthier lifestyle and a better approach to a more positive mindset. Uh, I think we have used the word depression in society to in a very light extent sometimes to the point that we don't like truly understand the magnitude of the word and what the disorder itself carries. So it this can be approached, I think the answer can be approached in multiple ways because depression is can be viewed from you having a depressive episode to you having a major depressive disorder, you know? And these two are very different things. I think you have a depressive episode means that uh, you go through, you. there is a major event that triggers a depressive episode or you feeling like, or you having depressive symptoms in that certain period of life. But having major depressive disorder combined with another disorder, maybe because it's usually seen in combination with something else, is something that is not something that's going to, past that soon the feeling is not gonna simply go away with you um you know living a healthier lifestyle or you having a more positive mindset it's going to require you to actually go seek seek help and maybe even um start on medication because uh while things can get a lot better and things can become far more improved than your initial state by leading a healthier lifestyle I don't think that depression can be cured simply by it. And a positive, the enforcement of a positive mindset immediately, especially when a first person is facing depression, is something I think that is not something that's um, very helpful sometimes because usually it comes on the throes of toxic positivity where you tell someone to get better and it's not something that's in their control, you know? So, uh having the ideal positive mindset would be to go into psychotherapy and to actually unravel the reason why you're going through this depressive episode and to understand how you can be of better mindset. So I would say, yes, um, uh, depression can be improved by both of these things, but it cannot be cured by it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you would still recommend people to do it, but yeah, in addition I would definitely, to getting proper help. Correct, correct. I wouldn't say it's the it's the immediate resolution you offer a person. It comes along with getting proper help. Right. Um, Mingzhe, do you wanna do you wanna read out the next the next few questions we have? Okay. So the next question is about the misconception between a sociopath and a psychopath. What do you think are the right. differences? Right. Uh, I think, uh, especially because of the way that these two things are portrayed on, I think movies especially, right? Uh, y'all have seen The Joker? I have not, but I know about it. What do you think about him? I'm just curious. He, uh, I think it's a very deep character. Uh, of course, not as deep as Natsuki Subaru from ReZero. We got the ReZero reference, damn it! We can add it in. Okay, we need to saying, analyze that later. But yeah. go on. But like, yeah, as I was saying, like he is a deep character, and 
if you look at it from his perspective right mm-hmm. it's not it, a shallow minded person would think that oh this man's just insane but then when you really analyze the problems that he has you can't just chalk it up to him being insane and then just yeah, diagnosing him that way you know because yeah, there's yeah. a much deep seated problem in that entire debacle of his character right right do you think that I he don't... I, I just no i think that's a very good i think that's a very comprehensive analysis of his character actually um for sure and what do you think like that... you can't just call him one term like you can't just say oh he's a psychopath or he's a sociopath because that mm. ju- that doesn't just you know explain his entire personality because the moment you do that like not not just for the joker like for any other person Correct. if you That's... attach a term to someone then you are mm-hmm. attaching a connotation and a stereotype Correct correct I don't think that's that's a very good point I don't think it's a justification for us to call him either a psychopath or a sociopath but mm. it provides an explanation right I think there's a very big difference between explanation and justification you would justifying someone would be like you know condoning that person's actions by attributing a singular label with him not or not even while not condoning maybe you just explain the person wholly by one label like kishore just said but an explanation i think um would require you to just use something as a way of analyzing why something happened rather than trying to say hey this is the only explanation there is for it um i think as far as i think a joke the joker is a good example the movie itself of um uh, i think a layman trying to di- uh, distinguish psychopath and sociopath i think he would be a good character to do that with so um i think based on psychiatry i'm not i don't do medicine but for what i know from psychiatry and the combination of what i know from psychology um a psychopath is someone who usually does not express or have a conscience so this means that it's very unlikely for him to a person sorry to feel remorse after they do something that is morally reprehensible for example uh i'm just i'm sorry kishore i'm i'm not trying to label the joker i think that he is a product of yeah, yeah i know i know yeah. but you see the uh, thing is right from what you said you could apply that same description for someone who is a sociopath right i don't think so um okay. a sociopath and psychopath um at least um in science how it's differed is by this one major thing which is the lack of a conscience and the presence of a conscience a conscience is you know like how we all know what makes you feel bad about doing something or what makes you feel bad after doing something wrong so sociopaths um universally have been seen to at least if you're you know if someone says that this person has been classified by a uh, multiple psychiatrist as a sociopath means that this person very likely has some form of conscience but it's very weak so what this mean is what this means is that while for example they might you know uh try to this is a very extreme example uh trigger warning if they try to uh uh apply violence or try to murder someone they know that action is wrong but they want to stop their behavior 
because of other manifesting issues within their psyche. But with the psychopath, they don't have any moral conscience. They may pretend to have a moral conscience in order for you to, you know, like uh, put trust in them. But this can be seen as a form of manipulation in order to hurt other people. That is the main distinction between sociopaths and psychopaths. And what we see in the sense of um, the Joker is that he doesn't display psychosis, which is uh, a shift from reality or a break from reality, but he displays psychopathy. And this is not his fault. It's usually seen in people who have been isolated from society, who hasn't been given any help. But in his case, if you remember the scene where he's on that TV show, I think this TV setup and he, you know, uh, the guest in that, I don't know, if, that, if I remember that scene correctly, the guest asks him uh, whether, you know, he's killed the, the three people, the three young men on the subway, I think. Um, and he would, he says that, you know, that he did and he doesn't seem to show any remorse for it. And he heartlessly also um, in quote unquote heartlessly, um, kills the people around him after that interaction, right? So this can be seen as a lack of remorse because from what the Joker displays in that scene, we see that he doesn't feel guilty about killing the three men. He does not care about the consequences and he shows no conscience. And this fulfills the clinical description of a psychopath, not a sociopath. I think that was a very long answer to a question. <laughs> <laughs> but there it is. No, wait, it's interesting, you know, when you when you put it that way, because this is a bit unrelated, but maybe this is a personal opinion, but I feel that our society in general is very fixated on labeling things. Like, for example, like there's a need for people to understand what the difference is like between a psych a, a psychopath and a sociopath. But mm. in, in the first like, place, right? Yeah, but in the more like broad context, right? I feel like a lot of people, when they try to diagnose their issues or like they want to start that process of mental healing, it's like there's, it's like people tend to fixate on, oh, what kind of disorder might I have? Mm -hmm. And maybe they don't actually think of looking at the problem, you know? So like, what would you say to that? Because you think about it, you go to a therapist, are you actually going to a therapist for a diagnosis or are you going to get your issues like treated or resolved? Hmm. That's a. I love the way that you phrase that question, Rish. Uh, I think. Um, I think there's a lot of issues. Like as Kishore said, there's something inherently problematic about someone labeling someone as a psychopath or a sociopath, and the word is so misused. Like we use it casually in 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 replacement for crazy. I feel like people just go for psychopath or sociopath nowadays. You know. Like, instead of saying clinically insane, you just say that. And yeah, there's something incredibly wrong with it. The only reason when it's justified is when it's actually a professional trying to determine a diagnosis in order to help you. But in all other senses, I would say that it's unnecessary. You don't need to say like, hey, this person has bipolar disorder. This this person is depressed in a clinical sense or this person is something else. You don't need to do that. Uh, I think how this problem can be approached is when you go into something that uh, 
a psychology called systems thinking. So what this means is that uh, you don't look at the individual as just one singular being that's unrelatedly has has issues, has problems that need that need to be resolved. Instead, you look at that person as part of a system, part of a family, a society, another body that has multiple connections to him. So when a psychologist who tries to uh, uh, talk to someone in therapy through the system's thinking, it's likely that the psychologist is not going to instead address like only singularly the individual and how the problem can be resolved from the individual's perspective. Instead, she would bring in people like uh, his, their parents or their siblings or their teachers or would question the people surrounding them. Uh, Andres, you're right. Uh, I don't think that the most ideal way for people who suffer from these disorders um, would be to, as Kishore said, to label them. It would be to look at the system they coexist in, in the sense of, I think, as I, I think I mentioned the joke way too many times already, but uh, it's, I think his case is particularly interesting in this sense when you look at the system he existed in. There's so many factors that played into his psychopathy. It wasn't just born out of nowhere, you know? Even if someone has genes that might predetermine some of their tendencies to be, for example, psychopathic or sociopathic, because a lot of psychological disorders do have a genetic component to them. It truly depends on the environment you are brought up in, it, at least in my perspective. And I think a lot of um, other theoretical psychologists' perspectives, it is the system that you live in that determines how these genes come out, how you react to things, how you portray that disorder. Uh, in the sense of the Joker, his mom had a mental health illness, which probably means that there was some form of genetic component in his mental health illness. But he was isolated, he was bullied, he was hit on. Those, I mean, he was hit, hit on, sorry, my bad. <laughs> and um, so many negative things that uh, happened to him that determined how he reacted at the very end. So yes, Rachel, you're right. Um, Kishore, you're also right. We don't instead of looking at the individual, ask yourself, before I label my friend as having just a disorder, instead of looking at them as an actual person, what are the problems that maintain their problem? What are the other issues that maintain the system of negative behavior of negative issues? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think most of us would probably agree with what you're saying. But like when speaking of the environment, right? I know like you mentioned the Joker a lot. Allow me to provide like an alternative character look at. Yeah, I know for, regular one. Of, for the regular listeners of the podcast, I know this is hilarious, but I actually think it's really appropriate. And that's case about it from ReZero. And the reason I'm saying that is the whole concept of ReZero's universe, right? Is basically, it's, it's divided into arcs. So in each major arc, right? the main character is given a choice. Will you choose a virtue or will you choose a sin? Like, for example, will you choose the path of sloth or will you choose the path of diligence? diligence? Like, oh will God. you choose the path of empathy or will you choose the path of mm. wrath? That's so, so cool. That's like, the, is. isn't that the seven deadly sins? Well, 
Not exactly, but it's close enough. It's close enough. The sins are yeah. based off the real world seven deadly sins. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So based off that, right? Um, in in the main story, like in the anime or in the light novels, it it usually ends up with the main character choosing the virtue. But the right. author of Rezero also like every year he releases a what if novel of what if the main character chose the part of sin, and mm-hmm. like what if the what if he took the pride route or what if he took the wrath route, and it's really interesting because you can see how the main character changes, but oftentimes it's not the same result. Like when, like when you explain the differences between a psychopath and a sociopath, it really hit me because I recently read through some of those novels, and you could see, like when, for example, when the main character took the part of Wrath, you can see that he became more of a a sociopath because in that minor spoilers, but in that arc, he ended up becoming this ruler or this king who just was it's okay to meaninglessly. Spoil yeah, okay. So he was just going around meaninglessly killing people. Like I think he and before it's like the end, he was like just killing about a hundred thousand people within Killed that set. One hundred and twenty-eight thousand seven hundred and two people to be exact. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. And that's him being a, a sociopath because in that moment he's like lost, he doesn't really have a conscience anymore. But in from from a different perspective, if he had taken the pride route in a different point of the story he ends up becoming more of a psychopath because in the end, although he kills people, although not as many as in the wrath route, he's still doing this because he has the singular goal in mind. Because in that scenario, he still has the ultimate goal of saving someone. But in order to do so, he wants to do that by becoming the ultimate villain. So he goes about killing all the other villains in that said universe so that he can become the ultimate villain, that the hero he wants to become, like the hero of the universe to kill him in order to achieve that. And he still Mm. has some form of conscience because there are still people he cares about in that universe. Whereas in the Wrath universe, he becomes more of a sociopath where he's like, okay, I'll flip a coin and see if you live, live or die today. So it's really interesting because it's the same character, but based on the choice he made, he can become a completely different person. So it's not like just be based on who you are, you are going to react the same in like different instances. It really just shows how deep it can be. Like you're not predetermined to become a psychopath in the future or you're not predetermined to become a sociopath. Like it really, it really just delves into what actually makes you act a certain way and what the outcomes have led to. So it like if you're really into that type of stuff, like you really want to see like the many different outcomes of a person's psyche, V0 is a good recommendation. Mm, that sounds really, really cool. Oh my god. And you know, Kishore, if you had sold me on this basis, I would have accepted it without question, actually. But you guys didn't know me like at the beginning of this meeting. So that's but, like, very here's well, the thing about preach it as being a very psychological uh, show. And I do mean that you a lot did. that I preach it so you much. Did. Yeah. But <laughs> you, you see, did, but I kept thinking it was like more emotional than psychological. <laughs> but there's you see, a, the problem. Diff- don't think, think don't take things at face value. I think that's what we can all conclude from this. Yeah. And there but, and that delivery is very important. Correct. The thing correct. about the if stories, right? It's just the butterfly effect that it had. Mm-hmm. Uh is basically the thing that spurred the entire route of him becoming a psychopath and him becoming a sociopath 
is such a minute detail. So basically, what happens is that uh, when he first gets transported to this world, um, he meets like these three robbers, uh, which try and rob him. Right. Mm-hmm. So in the path of pride, the one that Rishan just said, the path of pride mm-hmm. is where he tries to his end goal is the same, but then he becomes a sociopath. Um, to I'm so sorry. To to that I think angle. I think psychopath is what we're it's, referring to because he yeah, has a conscience a there. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So, so like actually, sorry, sorry, guys. Rich, actually, you got it wrong while explaining. I'm so sorry, but I love the analogy. It was just that um, Kishore was right just now. It's actually when you have a conscience, it's a sociopath. When you have none, oh, okay. it's psychopathy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. My bad. Psych- yeah, he's being a sociopath in the pride route. So what what happens in the pride route is basically like in the show when you watch the show, and this is not a spoiler, by the way. What ends up happening is that the robbers, like he knows that he can't fight the robbers alone. So like what ends up happening in the show is like he uh, acts like he's a dam- damsel in distress with a girly voice and just shouts out a girl's uh, like in a very uh, girly tone uh, for a guard to come and save him. I know it's kind of like cheeky and kind of, you know, but it's just a funny joke. And like, the first time when you watch that, you think, oh, okay, yeah, this is funny, you know. He's just uh, mm-hmm. shouting out, wimping, yeah, for a guard. <laughs> but in the pride route, that never happened. Basically, he's so absorbed in his self-pride, he abuses the ability to return by death. He literally, and the series builds its core concepts on the trauma of dying and having to, you know, come back to life. And it really fleshes out this concept of, like, do you want to die? Like, do you think dying is the option? Like, do you think that, oh, I can solve any problem by dying? Are you re- do you really want to stick to that ideology, you know? So what happens is that because of his pride, he ends up dying 87 times. And then that's the beginning of the entire sociopath because like he starts to abuse, he loses the empathetical nature of, human death he doesn't feel remorse anymore and then he begins to abuse that and then it just spirals out of control mm-hmm. oh my it's God. just i think like how what the story really taught me was like that butterfly effect where a little thing a minor detail that is overlooked can be very very troubling in terms in the long term you know yeah. so that's why like people with mental health problems when when it's starting off very small you should solve it then because it only builds up in in the long term is what I believe after I saw that story, of course. That's a very good conclusion, Kishore. I really couldn't have said it better. I think I think you all should listen to that last statement. <laughs> yeah, that's um, something I really, really like profoundly agree with. Right, Mingzi, uh, do you have any more questions? My last question is, can you explain why pathological liars lie even about trivial things like is that becoming a habit of them wow i noticed that um the questions you guys have asked like um actually quite specific (laughs) and um truly like the viewers damn it yeah the (laughs) listeners <laughs> have been really yeah yeah that's what I mean your audience truly has thought about this before before they pose the questions you know like <laughs> why why um why pathological liars lie about trivial things that's a really interesting question I think the 
most important thing to understand where it comes to i really think guys though i am giving uh i i'm giving like um advice kind of out of my depth as <laughs> um i i i do not disclaimer i do not study psychiatry so um my understanding and my um learning of this might be more different and might be a little less technical than if a psychiatry student explain this maybe but in the sense of um psychology and what i know so far um i think um a pathological liar lies about trivial things is because uh, of the keyword pathology so what this here means is that this is something that is unavoidable in a person where it becomes a tendency that they have to commit to very strongly so pathology can represent in multiple forms in my opinion i think pathology is the word you associate with a lot of symptoms in mental health disorders uh for example let's look at obsessive compulsive disorder um where i think the most common idea is that you are really fixated on something and it's it really bothers you if something is not set in a certain way or if not something is not done in a certain way so the pathology here is basically uh you having to deal with the issue repeatedly until you feel a sense of comfort right so in my perspective a pathological liar goes into the habit of lying about trivial things because they feel that they a might not be well received if they did not go out of their way to create a fictional story about it even if it is something that's not necessary um or be they feel compelled to do it meaning that they literally cannot like live quote like normal basis if they don't lie they need to do it for them to have that urge or that discomfort go away i think there are multiple ways that you can answer this question but these are the two approaches that i think would be the most succinct yeah i hope that was enough y'all All right. Yeah, that was a pretty well worth answered. Thank you, Nick. So <laughs> now let us move on to the segment that I have been waiting for this whole night. Um <laughs> the psychoanalysis part so as we've discussed before, um Lean likes to psychoanalyze people. Um uh, it's a bad habit of hers, I think personally, but uh <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. Please <laughs> don't please don't do this. <laughs> All right, so we're going to we're, we're going to play a game here. Um basically, Lean's going to have 10 questions. Uh it's basically playing 20 questions, but due to time restrictions, we're going to play 10 questions and she's going to use those 10 questions to try and psychoanalyze me and Mingzer and the rule Rules are I can only answer yes or no, and Mingzhe also can only answer yes or no to these questions. And by the end of the ten questions, you uh, can try and come up with a summary of the psychoanalysis because we've never met. Uh, just for the audience here, um, we've uh, me and Mingzhe have never actually met Lean before. Like we don't know her. We literally just got acquainted, uh, but Rishwan does. So this is going to be a completely new experience you know she has to start from zero you know from zero starting from zero from zero all right i'm not even going to say 
I'm the, yeah yeah I'm not even gonna say the joke I'm not even gonna say the word all right so let's get started Lee let's go all right uh just as another disclaimer uh I truly don't endorse psychoanalyzing your friends or people you meet immediately yes. and conforming them to a label okay y'all so please refrain from doing this to people you just meet refrain from doing this to your friends Uh, allow them to have the grace of being complex <laughs> all right and after i say this let's move on to doing immediately the opposite yeah <laughs> all right all right uh i think my first question hmm i think my first question would be yeah you all you both can answer this just one after the other uh do you enjoy uh do you enjoy being uh with people that you feel uh comfortable with as in physically or uh as in like people you're friends with would you would you um yeah would you be truly comfortable to be yourself in the presence of uh the people you consider your closest friends that's a yes for me mingza yes for me too Okay. Uh, I I can't ask how questions, right? Oh my god, it's so hard to. It's so hard to. Oh god, it's so hard to like. Twist the question, like rephrase the question to make it a yes or no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'm coming up with this stuff off the top of my head, so you'll have to <laughs> you'll have to like give me some room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, um, sure, sure, yeah. Sure. No problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stress. Don't stress yourself too much. Oh my. Yeah, yeah. It's all cool. It's all cool. Thank you, Kishore. All right. Uh okay, I think the next question is um do you feel energized when you are at home alone? Uh energized as in a physical way? Uh, uh energized like energized just in a mental way? Like um do you feel happy when you're alone at home watching a movie, reading a book? Like do you enjoy this better? then you would enjoy being or hanging out with your friends uh i prefer being alone yes okay yeah, yeah for being alone yes okay cool sorry i'm making notes like an actual psychotherapist as i go <laughs> <laughs> this works really well. Yeah, it's actually so funny. Uh do you think you when you approach a problem in uh your daily life for example like you know deciding or uh, not deciding uh like oh for example like uh even like daily questions in your life like deciding what to wear or like um choosing to do something or even in, in question in like bigger circumstances where you decide on things like oh what major am i going to go for what college am i am i going to go for do you usually go for the specific details in your life do you specifically focus on the details and make decisions based on them specific details as in like like for when example when it's needed or like in general oh no 
in general, like, you know, you don't have to specifically look at the details. No one's telling you to, hey, you know, like consider like the amount of, um, for example, in the situation where you're picking a major, look at the amount of modules you have in this. It's so heavy. Do you do that? Or uh, this has become a would you question, but uh, or I think you can just answer yes or no for it. Would, yeah, you, yeah, would you do that? Yes. Yeah, it can be a yes or no answer here. So, uh, okay. so like if it's something, I'll just tack this on. Like if it's something important, then yes, I will put much more consideration into it. Yes. If it's but not something general? as important, then no, I won't put as much consideration into it. Yeah. Okay. It's a no for me too. If it's just general stuff, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, right. I think my fourth question would be, um, do you think that uh, you can easily figure out patterns in things? Uh, do you think that, you know, you look at something and you look at something in the sense of, uh, oh no, this thing is attached to another thing and I can see how the whole picture looks like. Do you usually do that with the problems or do you focus specifically on like one problem at a time? I think my question is like the first one, guys. <laughs> do you see the big picture? Do you attach patterns easily? Yes, I think uh, for me, I like to overthink a situation a lot. But I, I personally don't feel like it's overthinking. I just feel like it's like thinking enough, thinking about the big picture, just so that I can see the long-term effects of it. So yes, I do like to think of it that way. Okay. What about you, Mingsa? You mean as in like being attentive or perceptive? Like someone um, who like can really <laughs> see things. It doesn't have to go so far, honestly. I, I'm sorry I phrased this like to sound so complex, but just literally like when you feel like you're making decisions, do you tend to uh, make decisions based on the fact that there are some patterns you feel like, um, uh, you know, needs consideration or do you just make that decision based on, you know, uh, just the facts presented to you? Do you look at the backstory? I would say I act mostly on impulse, so I guess it's a no for me. Okay. It's very interesting. Uh, right, I think uh, my my fifth question, right? Oh my God. Um, do you feel that you are um, a more, would you um, identify as a person who is known to think very, um, think a lot, like think very deeply about things? Would your family and your close friends say that? Yes, because I watch ReZero. How about you, Minter? Uh, yeah, I do give a lot of thoughts about things. It's just that it's not really shown. So yeah, it's a yes. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, would you say that when you um, you know, when when you come across an instance in your life that you feel a lot of emotions? Do you, would you say that you would rather um, ignore the emotions than confronting it? Uh, one minor detail, is it a 
a huge chunk of emotions in one go is it like a slow build up of many different uh it's a, instances it's it, it's a uh, it's it's a it's a problem which is it's it's a big problem that suddenly happens in your life and you feel a lot regarding that problem would you say that uh you would rather ignore those emotions or would you confront with them sit down with them i would sit down you, yeah yes okay. i would sit down with them How about you? Wait, you mean as in like if there is a problem, you mean like would you I? You have face a massive it? problem. Yeah. Would, would you face? confront it, uh, or would you shove them away? The the emotions attached to the problem. Um. No, I'm not. I don't confront it. I'll keep it in for quite a long time. Okay. And best hope I'll forget it. Okay, <laughs> that's a very interesting answer. Um, right. I think the next question I have is: uh, Do you often uh, judge people, like on like a first impression basis? Would you say that you immediately judge that person? No. No. Like it doesn't have to be said but loud, no. uh, you know. You just, just see know. in your heart. Just yes. know, okay. I think the philosophy that I use is like if I judge someone uh, on first sight, the other person could do the exact same thing to me. So, and I know how bad that would be because everyone would have a bad impression when they look at me. So I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna do that because I know how bad the effect is. So yes, I will never do that. No, 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 no. Um, Minza. Hmm. This would be a yes for me. I'm kind of how do I? <clears throat> I guess it's kind of paranoid about meeting strangers or new people in general. That I tend to kind of judge them at first. It's kind of like a self-defense mechanism, I would say. You know, right. like if I look at the person, I'm like, oh, I guess I should stay away from him or the other way around. But you know, I could be wrong. So yeah, but it's a yes. I do judge people on okay. first. Okay. Okay. Oh wow, y'all are like really giving me a lot of stuff, you know. I feel like <laughs> I feel like um I could literally at this point um go on forever trying to psychoanalyze this out loud. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, uh, three questions left, right, or four? Yeah, yeah, just three questions left. Okay. Eight, nine, ten. Yeah. All right. So the eighth question I have for you is, uh, you do you guys like to keep your options open? No, like when you're deciding something. Um, uh, for example, when you're trying to do something, I like set the task for a day. Do you like to be like, hey, you know, I'm gonna be like, um, maybe I'll I'll just assign some task for the day, and I will choose to go about my day as I please, and maybe do them. Are you yes. that sort of person? Yes, I am. Okay. Are you mean the? Wait, you mean as in like being very flexible? Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Yeah, being super flexible and being like, you know, it's not the end of the world if I don't finish something that was on my to-do list. I guess I'm very flexible. I can pretty much change about what I want to do, even if I plan ahead. Okay. All right. That's really cool. Um. Right. 
would you say that you have um right now would you say that you have people in your life that truly understand you no because you can never truly understand a human <laughs> okay scratch that question i mean do you feel like um you have people in your life that you believe truly love you for who you are yes okay the yes for me too okay cool right and my final question uh what's my final question going to be huh? huh let me think look at what i have covered hmm right for who you are and i think my final question can be uh would you say that you have a good grasp on who you are as a person or are you still discovering you know like um uh you are this is you know you're discovering your emotions or do you feel like you have uh you are in grasp of your emotions and you know what you're feeling you know are you the first type i mean do you have a good grasp on who you are do you know what you want all that all the trademark associations of someone who is uh i guess someone who knows themselves very well do you think you are that person i think i personally know myself i know what character i have so it's a yes for me the yeah, a yes for me too i know who i am anyway okay cool I think that's the end of the 10 questions, right? Yep. <laughs> that took yep. a while. Thank you so much for bearing with me. So, <laughs> hey, thank so. you for agreeing to do this lead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I think I can actually I can maybe start with um Kishore. Uh these are all very rough conclusions I've come to mm-hmm. based on these questions I've asked you. So, um just take them how you go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> take them with a grain of salt okay. yeah uh so what i feel like uh the first thing that i feel like i've learned about you is that uh from what you said of course there's a lot that i don't know uh um is that um you're a person who currently has uh people that you love and trust in your life and this group of people has not group maybe maybe like it's not like a huge bunch of people maybe it's two to three people um have had an impact on your life in the sense that they've helped you understand who you are they've also um reaffirmed some positive beliefs in yourself that you previously didn't like about you meaning that you had at least from what i get from your answers to especially um you know judging someone based on their first impression i think that particular question really drew me to believe that hey maybe like um kishore you know like you've you've been you've, you've been judged a lot in your life and you've been judged badly by a lot of people which has caused you to maybe lose trust in uh finding people who genuinely like you and trust you but because of your knowledge of of because you say that you have a current good hold 
on who you are as a person and um, that you have people that you trust in your life. It leads, me, it leads me to believe that you have grown past that, um, a huge chunk of that insecurity that you used to carry within yourself and you have come to greener pastures. <laughs> That's like the first analysis I have. How does, do you think that you're on the right track? Is, yeah, that's nearly spot on. <laughs> the only <laughs> thing that you got wrong there is reaffirming positive beliefs because I am a very pessimistic person and I view okay. things in a very rational way. I, I had a feeling. I, I knew that was a mistake, okay? Because, like, uh, I was, like, maybe not reaffirming. Maybe the people in your life currently are trying to integrate positive, more positive beliefs yeah, in yourself. exactly. Yes. Yeah. I've never yeah. had anything positive to begin with, but it's currently Correct. being integrated. Yes. Okay. If you, yes. Yeah. Okay. If you put it that way, yes, you got everything correct. Okay, I think, no, Kishore, you're a very cool person. Uh, like, all, only, like, even from this interaction, I can tell, like, you have a really cool personality and you're really open to people, which are two super great things, okay? Like, mm-hmm. before you put yourself down, remember that this random-ass girl who came on your podcast one day <laughs> talked to you for a couple of hours and said that you were really cool. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. It didn't really change okay. anything in the grand scheme of things, but okay, that's just oh, my no, pessimistic it nature. it wouldn't. <laughs> it wouldn't change things no but um maybe one day it will add to you know like how you be yourself exactly. i hope it does. it's yeah. a butterfly yeah. effect kisho remember your research butterfly research. effect damn it <laughs> all right um right um also uh, i think uh on a like less deeper scale i would say that um you are also someone who um embraces spontaneity in your life you're someone who embraces the unknown um if the unknown is something that you don't have previous anxieties about. But if you do have, like, for example, if you think you have fears about trusting someone, if you have fears about getting into a relationship, maybe, um, it's very likely for you to not be spontaneous with those things. You are probably not the type of person who would go for flings, I think. I don't think you're a person who would go for flings. It's like she's in my head. It's like she's in my head. <laughs> You're right. Uh, no, I do not like flings. Uh, and another fun fact about me that I love to boast is that I've never ever been in a relationship. So mm-hmm. yeah. because, I, <laughs> because I am a very, I, I like to believe that I am a very committed person and I really don't see the point of being in a relationship if it's for short term uh, benefits so yeah I and like I'm not a person who would like um, be dishonest when I'm in a relationship I'm a bit too honest uh, mm-hmm. and I keep everything real so uh, mm-hmm. I think that's the main reason why I I don't go for things and I really don't like things yeah yeah no I think uh, I think that's not a bad thing at all Kishore like I know um, really depends think, on the yeah. partner. It's the receiving end correct. because I have no problem doing it. Correct, correct. Yeah. Um, there are so many ways that you can take a perspective on things. Yeah, but it's just that from what I got from your answers to you know, like um, sitting down and like being willing to confront a problem and how you further elaborate 
elaborated your answer. Something you said there, I wasn't able to write it down, <laughs> but um, <laughs> okay. really led me to believe that, hey, um, maybe that a problem that you feel that a lot of people, a problem that you have is that you feel that a lot of people might not be um, able to reciprocate, especially the amount of commitment that you can give to a person. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's part of it. I'm not sure, but um, I think there is some amount of truth to that just from what you just said. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah. Um, and then I think my final piece of analysis would be that uh, you tend to, I think this is a very common thing that I think we all have a tendency to do, but Kishore, you especially do this, I think. I think you, ex I'm sorry, this is also coming from a previous conversation, a bit of like what you said in that as well. Um, mm -hmm. I think you tend to exaggerate things in order to make up for, uh, this is a bad analysis and I hate the fact that I'm saying this. Okay, go <laughs> um, Because uh, it's so standard. Um, yeah, I think you exaggerate to cover up the fact that there is an underlying hurt or a lack of something um, in order to cover up or make up for it, you know? Um, you not only exaggerate the good things, I think, I think you also exaggerate the bad things in your head uh, because you feel like there's been a lack of both in your life. Uh, and you do this as a coping mechanism, I feel, with a lot of things. Um, Especially you do this with the um, added um, element of humor, which is interesting because I think um, a lot of us do tend to cover up our pain with humor and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that it could be an extra layer to who you are. I might be completely wrong, okay? So I think that's all of my analysis that I have for I, you, Kishore. I think uh, for your final point there, I think you you did get quite a lot of it right. Uh, the one thing that you didn't get right was something that I personally don't know myself because yes, I do use humor as a coping mechanism and uh, yes, I do exaggerate because uh, exaggeration does turn into humor if you know how to do it well. But I never thought of the possibility of that being a double-edged sword as in maybe I'm exaggerating my problems as well. And now that I think about it, I think you are right about that. As in, maybe exaggeration, yes, but I do it unconsciously towards Correct. the problems that I'm having as well. Yeah. So yeah, mm -hmm. you did get that right as well. So overall, I'll, I'd give it a 9 out of 10. It's almost up there. It's almost perfect. Um, <laughs> and now Wait, I'm scared and I can't sleep. Something to like what you said about the exaggeration part. I think it comes out in the form of overthinking. Maybe, maybe you don't yeah, you don't exactly. consciously do it. It is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Um. Right. Time to move on to you, Mixer. Um. Am I even saying? I feel like I I butchered your name somewhere in there. I'm really sorry about it. Let me but let me just move on to um what you said though. I think uh, I wasn't really able to hear um much explanation from like your answers, but from the three that you specifically extended on, I was able to make a few analysis. I might be completely wrong. And I'm really sorry if I, you know, if I get, you know, hurt you yeah, or offend yeah. you by getting them wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So I think the first piece of analysis I have 
um, is that, uh, okay, hold on. Let me just double check with everything here, hold on. Okay, yeah. No, uh, what I found really interesting was about something you said in regards to sit down, sitting down and confronting the problem. You really gave some, uh, a little bit of insight to who you are, as in you are someone, in my opinion, at least on a very face value basis, is that you would choose to um, live or be in ignorance if it meant that you could avoid getting hurt i.e. that um, you would ideally much rather not explore the hurt parts of yourself if it means that you can continue living as a normal functioning person in your day-to-day -day life. Uh, and you ignoring this problem or confronting a problem might have created further problems you in the past. And this could have manifested in perhaps um, you losing a friendship or um, uh, you getting distant from people because in a lot of situations, communications is something that you think is not necessary or rather you're scared of it. Oh my God, that sounds really heavy. Mingsa, <laughs> uh, what do you think? <laughs> so what you're saying is that I'm hiding my problems, which would just in the end lead to a bigger problem. And because Correct. of, and I'm not talking to anybody about it of the problem. I'm not talking to anybody about it. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, I, I'm not, not, not the last part. I'm saying that, yes, you not confronting your problem gets to a bigger problem. But uh, the reason why you're not doing is, is because uh, communication and confrontation is something that you are scared of and that you fear. Mm. Well, I would say you're right on the first part. The fact that I don't, I do think that the past is past problem is gonna become bigger in the future. But I don't, but I do communicate my pro. Well, I do tell people about my problems, so I don't think it's a communication problem though. Mm, okay. Okay. That's that's really cool. I'm I'm glad I'm glad that's not a problem, because <laughs> I'm glad you have um a healthy healthy form of resolving if even if you're not confronting. Yeah, um, just out of curiosity, um, when you come across these problems, do you tend to um, you know, if the problem is with a person, would you say that you confront the person by communicating with them? I won't say immediately, but I will eventually confront this person's about the problem that I'm having with him. Right. Okay. Okay. That's that's very fair. Uh, the next, the I only have two more. Um, uh, on for me, sir. Um, I think the second piece is that, uh, just based on one sentence that you said in regards to, um, you know, you um, probably feeling like, like that you need to um, judge people like on a first glance when you interact with them because of you did identify this within yourself and you really give, give the label in the sense that you were able to recognize it within yourself correctly, I assume, that you feel that you need to judge people as a form of self-defense which I don't think is something that's bad at all because 
sometimes we do need to be aware, I guess, as in regards to like, uh, you know, we do what we say with other people. But where this comes from, if I am to analyze this further, perhaps could be because of uh, multiple reasons. But something that comes to my mind is that perhaps you are mistrusting of people even upon initially meeting them is because you've suffered from uh, could be a, a betrayal, a, a big betrayal that really impacted your life or be um, someone you deeply loved uh, might have um, gone away or you feel like they've abandoned you. Uh, oh my God, some really deep stuff is coming out from me. <laughs> So what do you think? Do you think that um, the fact that you feel defensive about a person the moment you meet them could be because of this? This, for this segment, yeah, you are definitely spot on. Yeah, something bad happened in the past and I guess this is where my mistrust comes from, definitely. Mm. Mm. I think... I think that's very rational. I think um, it is what we would do if we were to defend ourselves if it had happened to us before one time. So I understand. And I'm sorry that happened to you. Thank you for sharing that with us. No, it's Uh, it's fine. Okay, yeah. Um, Yeah, so... That, yeah, that's what I've got. And the um, second, the last thing is, I think that um, <laughs> from what I've been learning from you in this very short period of time is that you're a person who likes to economize your words, meaning that you're someone who's probably quite analytical. You're someone who tends to make judgment of things based on the detail, especially that's been given to you. And you're also... Um, even more than more than seeing the big picture of something, I think you're a person who is focused on details um, of um, doing certain things in a certain way. But at the same time, if it's not something that um, you feel like is something that's incredibly urgent or something that's going to deeply or badly impact you, you are someone who on a general basis is quite, uh, quite easygoing. Uh, I don't think you're a type. You're the type of person who would um, be like if you're working in a group with group of people, for example, on a project or something. I don't think you would be the person who would berate them on not doing things on time. Maybe you'd be the type of person who would act as uh, a mediator if there is um, a problem going on within the group. Because you like, while you like to focus on the details, you also do have room for flexibility. I don't know. I might be completely wrong. Ooh, I would <clears throat> I would say you are right about certain part about me working in a group, being the mediator all and easy going. Okay. Yeah, definitely right about that one. But not about the details, right? I think I may have actually miswritten something then. Because <laughs> did you say no about the detail part when I asked you? the question about detail. Do you mind repeating the question? Yeah, I think the question was that are you focused on like specific details of things when you make decisions? No, right? I think I said no on that. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that was completely off. That was my mistake on miswriting something. But I think, um, yeah, I really got the part of you being a very calm 
um, flexible mediator from everything you've said. I think you have a general, a very generally calming aura, which is something I think that helps you build connections with people, especially if the people um, that, you know, is choosing to become friends with you seek um, kind of like a safe space, you know. I feel like you can, you are that for multiple people. Yeah, I think that's all I have. Yeah, that's kind of true also. Yeah. I always, do, I always do wonder why people sometimes always refer to me whenever they have kind of problems. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. I think it's, you know, you do, you have a very calming voice as well. <laughs> eh. Calming voice, I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, you, you speak in very measured tones, which is something I think people um, genuinely do find very calming. <laughs> Which is very calming. Wait, I do. Wait, Kishore, do I? I mean, I'd say you do to an extent. Like, it's oh. it's a lot calmer than the people we tend to speak to. Like, usually a lot of people oh. we talk to are like high energy and you're just like calm, cool, like, ah, oh, whatever. Yeah, I can't deal with energetic people. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, that was <laughs> too much. That's all but, I had. <laughs> But wow, Lean, I mean, this is this was actually like pretty accurate. Like, of course, yeah. like you would get certain bits wrong, but to a large extent, that was very accurate. Yeah, that was a very accurate. I would also say a nine out of ten on that one, except for a few things, I guess. But yeah, yeah. that is a good nine out of ten. Thank you. Um I would for your one doming sir. I would judge myself maybe to put on a seven out of ten because I don't think I was very, very accurate. And maybe it's been because you really do not tend to give so much of yourself away, which is not a bad thing either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I'm really, I, I feel awful about just judging your like face value though, but uh, I hope maybe that, you know, this was helpful in a way where you do acknowledge some of the things, especially the good things about yourself, I think, because you both very cool people. Yeah. From what I know. Yeah. I think it's good, like, not just for them, but also, like, for people listening, like, it really does show you, like, even from a little bit of information, like, you can probably tell how people are going to react. Like, maybe this might just interest some people in, you know, learning psychology. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, it, I hope so. We definitely need more people, I think, in this world who are interested in this field and who want to pursue this field. I think um, one of the biggest barriers to, even though people, I think most people are generally interested in learning about psychology and knowing about the psyche behind certain things. It feels very overwhelming because you are immediately, you immediately have to face with the fact that, oh, hey, um, I have to listen to people's problems if I'm going to become a psychologist, aren't I? This is a question that I get a lot. Like um, whenever someone, uh, a prospective student like comes to me and says hey like um uh i want to join the course but i'm scared i think i'm going to be really bad at like and psychoanalyzing people i'm really going to bad at listening to them i feel like i'm going to get tired and i don't think i have the skills of becoming uh, a counselor or a, or a clinical psychologist which is like some of your most standard types of psychologists um but the truth is that um uh, i don't think that uh a psychology just comes like in the lens of 
simply counseling or clinical or you listening to another person's problems. Psychology, as I mentioned at the very beginning, comes in all forms and you can apply literally anywhere. You have um, forensic psychologists, you have um, organizational psychologists, you have people who say psychology working in marketing, in um, economics, in multiple, multiple fields. So this isn't just a field for people who um, feel like they're okay with listening to other people's quote unquote problems. Uh, and B, um, if you truly feel like, you know, you're going to have trouble listening to um, or wanting to help another person, or you get scared of perhaps dealing with problems face on or head on, um, you might want to go for a different type, a different area of psychology where you don't have to do that. And um, for the people who think that, you know, uh, listening to people's problems might be heavy. I think one of the things that are not addressed is the fact that um, psychologists themselves actually do have to go to therapy, which is really interesting for them to um, be able to continue um, in their career because uh, yes, listening to people's problems can be very heavy. Listening to and understanding where issues come from and giving reasoning behind them can be heavy. And you need to have a deep interest in truly wanting to help people, which um, is empathy that you build while in this field to be a part of it. But it's not impossible even if you feel like you have an interest in it and you want to learn to psychoanalyze or listen and you want to help other people, um, but you're scared of being burnt out, there are ways that we can prevent that from happening. Um, there are boundaries that you establish as um, a psychologist. There are boundaries that you um, uh, learn to create between yourself and the patient. So you protect your own psyche as well. And you are a human being. And, and as a conclusion for all of this, I would not, I, my biggest thing would be that as a psychology student, do not think that you're going into this to save people. Because yes, while you are offering them tools to save themselves, um, you are not the one um, going to be able to save them. You're the one who offers the tools. They are the one who saves themselves. So don't feel the guilt to protect people from things. Don't feel the guilt to um, uh, always feel like you need to have it together because you know you are someone who's into psychology or you are someone in the area you are allowed to be human you don't have to carry the guilt of like um doing damage because you are the person who's offering help and the patient the person that you talk to um are the ones who have to save themselves you're just here to throw them you are the lifeguard yeah Right, I think that's a pretty good advert for anyone who's looking into like, you know, studying psychology. Now, I have one final thing to ask, but before I do that, uh, Kishore, Hanan, Mingza, do you all have any like questions you want to ask Lin first? Uh, no, I don't. Um, Hanan, Mingza, uh, Hanan, Kishore? Nope, I don't think so. Okay, then I'll go ahead. Like, just a last question to, like, wrap this all up. So, like, Lean, what I think we can all gather from what you're saying is, right, if, uh, if people think there's a problem, they obviously should go for help. I think we've established, like, that's the best way of, you know, 
find healing themselves and whatnot. But I think one of the questions, a lot, or one of the doubts that a lot of people have is that will therapy be expensive or is therapy even attainable for most people? Like, what would you say mm-hmm. to someone who had those concerns? Oh my God, yeah, that, well, I think it's a really um, important piece of conversation that needed to be brought up. So thank you, Rish. Um, yeah, um, accessibility to therapy is something really, really um, concerning. It's really difficult because um, at the end of the day, the people who are providing you services, um, they um, they also need they also need um, the boundaries of working in clinics so that they can also afford to continue with their lifestyle or with their life. But um, there is the fact that therapy sessions are incredibly expensive, and it's hard to um, find places where they offer you financial aid to. Um, actually go to therapy and I personally the only thing that I can say about this is because it's just a glaring problem I don't think there can be much to be offered in the sense of like uh being able to uh go to therapy if you feel like if you know that you can't Unafforded. I know it's a glaring problem and can't be simply resolved by saying, you know, and by insisting that you need to go get help. Like, yeah, you might know that you need to go get help, but you simply can't afford it. The best option would be to uh, look into centers um, that offer financial aid, which I think is, although not very common, but is available in almost every state in Malaysia. I think um, there are um, specifically the government centers that um, offer you like uh, a set number of sessions pro bono and you can possibly look into this if you desperately you know you need help uh go for those options and i think a long-term resolution to this horrible problem would truly be to uh become a part of the conversation that tries to destigmatize mental health we need to make sure that mental health isn't something that's you know simply avoided or like brushed under the rug for more people to become part of this field. We need more people who work in this field for us to be able to provide services at a more affordable level. So the more we aim to destigmatize it, the more we are able to offer services at a cheaper and a more accessible level. And right now, if you're looking for accessibility, go for or the government options where they offer you financial aid, go for the, the um, I, if I believe the Befrienders KL, um, uh, plus if you are part of a university, um, all of these universities um, that I think are present, at least in my knowledge, have counseling services that offer free counseling to their students. Go for those services, go to these free options where you can start. And once you start, you'll be able to explore more avenues where you can actually um, get access to better help. help. So my advice would be to look into those. Yes, I know it's not a great solution, but right now I'm afraid it's one of the only ones we have. All right. So with that being said, Thank you so much, Lean, for coming on, expressing all of your problems, psychoanalyzing all of us, uh, having a conversation about why ReZero is the greatest show ever made in humanity. Um, and yeah, uh, we'd love to have you back on in a future episode, definitely. 
definitely we'll have you back on uh, <laughs> again a big thank you for coming on uh, and thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Tundra Podcast uh, new episodes every week drop us a follow if you like the content uh, we'll link uh, Lean's Instagram if you want to uh, message her get any more questions or more insight about uh, psychology and the field as a whole uh, and uh, just please do not text her and ask her to psychoanalyze you, you cringe, cringy, cringy idiots. So with that being said, uh, this has been another episode of the Thunder podcast. Goodbye.